We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Oh, guys, I just got done recording a podcast with Josh Bo from Mavs Moneyball, but I'm not ready to go to bed because I am in that kind of strange place where I'm not mad. I'm not, you know, which is rare for me. It's kind of my MO, but uh, I'm not ready to go to sleep, which is stupid because I live an exhausting life. Uh, Jason Jang in the chat points out extremely accurately that uh, that game was fine and you know what fine is a is a shockingly good descriptor of it as as i just talked about in 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 mavs moneyball after dark podcast that that game was a poster for how far the mavericks have to go uh if you're just joining and you you probably know because the mavericks fell 109 to 99 to the clippers they shot a grand total of five free throws. They turned the ball over a remarkable number of times compared to to where um, things were. Hello, Jaron. Just uh, really kind of a, I don't know. Like, do you ever have fun in a loss? Like, I had a good time, like, like watching the game because the Mavericks weren't good enough yet kept punching up, and then they just kind of fell, and it was it was fun. Um, the the Mavericks are a quality starter away from being able to beat these guys. I mean, Zach, you can say that if you want, but the the non Luca KP starters went seven for twenty for the field. Like you can't have that. Uh, you look at what the Clippers guys did, and and you know Zubac is is so he's he's a hilarious kryptonite for Luka Doncic and for like the Mavericks in general because. Not only is he often in the right place to receive, you know, the right pass after the Mavericks defense get beat, but then he guards Luca probably better than any big man other than Rudy Gobert. Uh, I mean, Luca was nine for twenty-three, and a lot of his misses were close and at the rim. 
it was it was you know really really something to to watch that the Clippers just sort of slowly chipped away at the things that the Mavericks do. Um, I I this is it's just where you look at kind of the talent gap. I guess would be my 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 opinion in that the Clippers have a number of guys, all of whom would get minutes for the Mavericks. And then you look at the Mavericks and past their starters, you know, Dorian wouldn't play for the Clippers. <laughs> like Maxi might, but you know, Maxi becomes a pumpkin against the Clippers. It's uh, the man shooting 46% from three. And then look like, uh, you know, he had one three tonight, but then was, you know, kind of horrendous. Every time you put the ball on the floor, bad things happen. Like it was really, uh, it was a Chris, you know, Christian Morales just joined us and notes that they love to see three of the Maverick starters at 17 points. Um, it was, it's just, you know, I, when, when I, I call them my recap, I call them measuring stick because the Mavericks, as we all who are fans of the Mavericks will note that, that we're constantly sold this line of how the Mavericks are better and improving. And yet that was the team that played the Clippers in the play in the playoffs. Um, I, 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 there's kind of like a lot of interesting KP stuff I'd like to get into, but, uh, you know, let's, let's point it to you guys. Does, does anybody, you know, want to come up on stage and talk about this one? Kind of thought Jason Yang says, I kind of thought this was a decent throw Tyler Bay out game. I mean, I, uh, Tyler Bay will play at the point when we are least expecting it like the NBA championship or something. Like, I don't, I don't really know when Rick is going to put him into the game. Uh, I, I just, for me, I, I find myself not moved in any way, shape or form other than, you know, going back to uh, Doug, Doug, how are you? Thanks for joining again. Hey, it's always good to be in on the Mavs talk, whether it's, it's better to be after a win, but uh, it's always good to, to talk about the Mavs. So what did you think of tonight's game? It was frustrating because I think the thing that, uh, that it seemed like as I was watching that uh, the Mavs had these these bursts of, of playing very well, and then it just seemed like that they uh, rolled over and, and on both ends of the court did very little. And uh, to me, one of the and, – and probably the, one of the more frustrating parts about the game was scoreless in the last three minutes, 15 seconds. Yeah, Luca was bad. Well, and and I'll, I'll say Luca was bad, but it also reminded me so much of last year down the stretch in games where um, everybody stood around. There is very little off-ball movement, and so uh, you can't do that against a team that is good, as good defensively as the Clippers are. And uh, it seems like the Clippers have a really good strategy as far as playing off of Luca, playing the passing lanes, uh, maybe as as good as anybody in the league, because it just seems like that they are he's either really working hard to just get those passes that he normally is just kind of just threading everywhere. Um, and they either get there's uh, just a, a hand on it, something. And uh, so, yeah, he was bad down the stretch and. One final thing, and then I'll I'll jump off. Uh, I no, of course, I, talk it out. Well, I think that the one of the things, and and I know that uh, the KP uh, gets a lot of his shots, not really in the flow of the offense, you know, as far as just as far as the the kind of shots that he seems to want to get. But it seems like that he was having a decent game tonight offensively, and he only had two shots in the fourth quarter, and. 
I don't know that I have a solution for that, but it just seems like that he should have a, a few more quality touches along the way. Again, I'm not saying that he would have won the game for the Vams. I'm just saying it just seems like he was he was having a good offensive night and uh, only having two two shots mm-hmm. in the fourth. Just it just seems like that that's a thing. It's not the thing. I I like it because I'm like one of my side hobbies is lighting is lighting Porzingis on fire and <laughs> and I you know I, I have to give the guy credit and I I talked in our our podcast Josh and I just recorded about how he got hung out to dry a lot yeah um I don't. Him posting up against the Clippers feels like a trap. Uh, they're so long and so rangy. Where would that post up at the tail end of the? It was like the three minute mark. That essentially that was that was when the game was over because he turned it over uh, and then uh, the the Clippers missed and then the Mavs missed again and then uh, Kawhi Leonard got a three point play so it went from being four points to being seven points and that was that was pretty brutal. I would I I I I just don't know. You know, Luca did a really he was hunting mismatches and the challenge is that the Clippers have gotten really good about relocating from the mismatch. Like he'd get Lou Williams on him and then, you know, Kawhi would basically become like Batman and swoop in out of nowhere and then like retake over the position. So it was, it was something else. Uh, You know, in in the chat, Jaron Miller Jones notes that KP not posting up really hurts the whole team. Here's the thing though. He posted up a lot. The Mavericks did not find him. Right. Um, and, and I'm not sure what to do about that because I hate KP post-ups because when he faces up, it's, it's actually kind of fun because the Matt, like, but you watch the guy's foul rate. He doesn't get fouled at all anymore. He, he his post-ups are actually quite ugly. His face-ups are pretty fun, but in terms of the tracking data, that's still actually a post-up. Um, but the Mavericks just missed him a lot. And I don't know if that was because they were kind of concerned about the, you know, the, because Porzingis doesn't see when a second man comes. Like, that's what was really, you know, Lucas shouldn't have made the pass that resulted in Lou Williams getting a steal. Because, like, if Lou Williams is getting a steal, you're really doing something wrong. Um, But it was just, they they needed to do something different, something better. I would love to see Porzingis KP pick and rolls, which just doesn't happen. And I think it's it's in no small part because Porzingis isn't that interested in rolling. But he had just rolled prior to that and was wide open, and Luca missed him. And that's that's something they have to figure out because Luca misses Porzingis more than he ought to. And I don't know. I don't want to say it's intentional because it, I mean it can't be. Like Luca hits like Luca hits Hardaway for some of the silliest passes. He was pulling out some real weird like fantastically strange like jump bounce passes tonight which horrified me and probably made Carlisle angry but then he ended up like the man had 16 assists and seven turnovers like there was a lot of Luca ball handling going on tonight it really is really kind of all over the map I mean they, they but this was a measuring stick game and the Mavericks came up short again and and that's that's kind of the way things go um I'm going to invite uh, Jason up here uh, on the stage. Jason, what's up? Hello, hello. So I'm going to have – I have a take on this game that is not what we're going over right now. But I think it's actually an underlying issue with the Mavs, and I think we've talked about this for the past month or so, is the Mavs have six, maybe six and a half guys they can really trust. Yep. And Trey Burke and Willie Cauley-Stein play for some reason. <laughs> and James Johnson, once he comes back from whatever he's doing. So, like, 
there's so much dead roster spots on this roster. And it's like, Trey Burke was atrocious in the first half. Like, I don't know. He had so many terrible turnovers. Collie Stein was good in the second quarter and just died in, like, the second half for some reason. Like, these guys are just shouldn't be playing against the Clippers. And, like, what I think about the trade deadline is don't go all in. Luke is still young. KP is KP is youngish, even if injuries are a little scary with him. I think the Mavs just have to see this year as kind of lost. COVID fucked them. And, okay, we can try to fortify some of these bench spots, but you can't go all in. You just can't. But you have to get somewhat better than Trey Burke and Willie Colley sign. I swear to God, these guys are just some of the worst rotation players in the league. Oop, I was mute. I muted myself. Willie is a is is the Willie Cauley Stein experience is really the gambit in sports because the man does for every bad thing he or for every good thing he does, it's like karma feels the need to make him do two other bad things. It's it's really it's it's really fun. Um I I just I, I I talked myself into their off season despite my proclivities to be angry about everything, and it was really something to see them address the draft in an interesting way, where they acquired two wings and a point guard. None of us, you know, we knew they weren't going to play, but when I say play, and this is where I get into it with like Brad Townsend and the Dallas Morning News, essentially, you know, parroting the party line. I don't want these guys to play like 15 minutes a game. I want them to play four minutes and not get executed. I want them to like add something. I mean, the Mavericks are playing six and a half guys. Like you mentioned, that's a really good point. And, and I just need to see that, that somebody else gets a minute. Lance, what's going on? How's it going, Kirk, man? Uh, I, I appreciate you uh, coming on after the loss. And honestly, I'm not super pissed off about it. I mean, the Mavs actually kept it close despite a terrible start like they did against the Nuggets. But uh, I do have a solution for both you and Carlisle for Josh Green's minutes. Uh, Package him, uh, James Johnson, maybe some uh, second-round picks, and uh, bring back Barnes. What do you think? I mean, if we're talking about bringing back Barnes, then the season is already at a really dark spot. It's not that Barnes <laughs> is bad. It's just like, what does that do? What does that move the needle? And and it's Jason's point a second ago, I think, is really it's, it's admitting defeat. And I don't love it from a game-to-game basis, but from a big-picture standpoint, I have to, I think there's something to that because I, I've been kind of pissy seeing, oh, let's let's trade a first-round pick. And it's not that I think the Mavs are going to use a first-round pick, but it's just like, are you really going to send out a first-round pick for a guy who is on a bet, you know, who you, you sent out initially? I mean, mm-hmm. there's just the, – it's it's sort of – it's depressing um, uh, in, in terms of, of, of my thoughts there. But – I, I do like the question. I, I think the next 10 days, we're just going to be like talking ourselves into whoever is possible. You know, Dalton, who's here in the chat, who keeps telling me he's going to go to sleep. But I see you lurking uh, uh, is going to come up with trade requests, you know, just because that's that's the nature of, of what we do here. You know, we talk ourselves into it right up in, in, until until we can't. You know, I felt good in the Clippers series last year up until about the second quarter of game six. <laughs> So, you know, I'm going to talk myself into all sorts of things. But, Lance, I think that's that's a really good point. Um, Saeed, what's going on? Hey, thanks thanks for uh, hearing me out on this one. Um, 
kind of felt like okay, this is a little weird, so kind of stick with me here. I of felt course. like just how the Clippers played today is kind of how we assumed that they would have played during the series last year. Where yes. just, we straight up just got out talented in a sense of where you could kind of see even like someone like Batum who was somewhat of a joke based on the contract that he had came out and you could just see how much more talented at every spot that they were, um, which I guess kind of harks back to what we need to do if we actually want to do anything in the playoffs. But at the same time, you kind of look at the timeline of this team and you think if really giving up like a pick or anything like that right now is really going to make a difference. Are we really going to be able to beat say whether it's the Lakers or the Clippers or heck even the Suns, if we're going to be able to beat them right now, are we really want to give up anything drastic as of right now? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm, I'm just kind of to the point now where I think they need to, if they're going to, if they're going to, I don't want to like, this is a very dark analogy, but the, there, there's there's a phrase in, in terms of like like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Like I don't think the Mavericks are in that situation, but if they had the you know there's this notion they have the 16 million dollar contract for James Johnson, which is expiring, and Dalton and I have talked at length about how they need to get something for it. But I don't know what the problem is when when there's 20 teams that are going to make the quote playoffs. There's only 10 real sellers, and some of those don't even want to admit that they suck yet. You know, like like the the Grizzlies, for example, are stealth tanking. No one will convince me otherwise. They they're just they're just trying to look good, and then all of a sudden they're going to lose like fifteen games in a row. Um, this is it's they're the Mavericks are just in a really strange point. I do think that they do something simply because Cuban's ego and the sense that this team should have been better is guiding them. You know, he told Dalton and Matt uh, uh, Galatzen on on the Step Back Mavs podcast that they value continuity. And then Mark Stein says that they're looking to make moves. And so of the two people, I will trust Mark Stein a little bit more than I will Cuban. So there's, there's just something, there's something at play here, but I don't know what, but I also don't really see what moves the needle. I mean, when you get a win like they did against the Nuggets, there's sort of that tier of teams, which I would kind of consider like second, third ish, you know, playoffy teams. If you, if you think about like, I, I still think the Clippers are, are really good. Uh, to answer an earlier point in, in what you were saying, I, in my mind, there, there's the, the Clippers are the Mavs sum of all fears team, which is a, a John Clancy book, which like me and Doug uh, are probably the only two people old enough in the chat to remember this. But it, it's it's the sum of all fears in the sense that that they just expose so much for the Mavericks and the Mavericks will left that playoff series. And thought, oh yeah, we can do this. And but they didn't really address the holes in any real way, as as evidenced by the, the free agency signings and the, the lack of trust in their their draft picks. So this is it's I don't want to call it a dark time because they're gonna make the playoffs. It's a matter of where. I would like to see them, you know, nab that sixth spot and not have to go into a play in game and then like me become a nervous wreck as they have to deal with some team that they're better than. It's just there's there's a lot going on. Uh I'm gonna invite Hassan up on stage who uh, asked to speak a while ago. Hassan, what's up? We can. Oh, I wanted to ask, um kind of going back to the Mavericks, um, uh, I know there's been rumors with uh, KP. Sorry if you were asked this question earlier. Sure, but, no, go ahead. Uh, do you think that they would need to go get another ball handler? Because uh, I've been watching their games. It feels like everything kind of ends and dies with Luca. Would you be open to 
trying to get someone to help him out in playmaking? I think they they have to consider it. It's just something that where you're going to look at things and think, you know, the, the, the casual observer, let's say you're a fan that watches, I don't know, two Mavs games a week when they're three or four. Jalen mm-hmm. Brunson, in theory, is that backup guy, that additional ball handler, but he, he's he been much better in the, the secondary role where all he does is either shoot or take two dribbles and pass kind of thing, right. and get to the rim or otherwise. So I think they need somebody because tonight was a great example of Luka. He just looked gassed, and he was so hyped for the third, second, and third quarters where the fourth quarter he wasn't quite good enough. And and having a secondary ball handler, I don't know if they do it now, but that has to be something. Like, I don't know if you guys are that interested in the NCAA tournament, but the dude, if I were to pick someone to, to pair with Luca for, like, eternity, it would be the guy who uh, plays for Gonzaga. What is his name? Um, he's going to – he's going to – yeah, he's something. He's, like, kind of the – the 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 spackle who fills everything in and <laughs> and that's the Mavericks need somebody like that eventually because right now it's it's shooters non shooters Luca and KP <laughs> that's okay. kind of what they got. Hmm, I got you. Thanks for answering that. Sure thing, man. Um, I should go to bed. I got to get up and go to work in like four hours. Um, that's right. Taylor Beatles notes in the chat. This is why they went so hard for Halliburton, who ended up with the Kings, and that is a very astute point. It's it's the sort of thing um, that, that's hanging out there. But, uh, but, bu- bu- I don't know. I it, It's not, this is not a dark loss. Like, there are those, like, lo- the Thunder loss, uh, anybody that joined after that hung out with me, and, like, I'm just, like, losing my mind at what the Mavericks weren't doing. But this is this is kind of one of those things. Where it's it's a good measuring stick. There's way forward. I think they they one day or another they're going to realize that this short that this this constant you know either relying solely on free agency or expecting you know and really just being disdainful about the draft for all but you know one year of the last fourteen is is bound to catch up with them eventually. So so. I think they'll figure it out at some point. I, I, I don't know. You know, Jason notes in the chat that I'm worried about this trade deadline. I don't know if we can be because if you, you know, your statement earlier said, you know, if this is kind of a lost season, I, I'd be worried about them giving up too much for a short-term goal. Um, and and Brandon in the chat notes, this is why you don't rest your stars against OKC so you don't go one and three. <laughs> yes. I mean, that was – that is that is partially why I was a rage monster after that loss because it was just like the Mavericks thinking they're a, a slot higher in the in, in what's going on here than what they really were and and the Clippers kind of kind of showed them that tonight they're just not you know they can win you know they won two out of four against the Clippers they can win some ball games but but they need to they need a little bit of luck going their way and and you know the best teams in the league it's it's there's not a lot of luck involved there's you know kind of continued dominance over time and the Mavericks just have a long way to uh to get from there um you know they they play us here they play the Clippers on Wednesday then they play a home and home against Portland which again the fact that we're playing all these late games I'm 36 and I'm on the east coast the stuff is going to like murder me <laughs> um, 
Yeah, do you guys do you guys like staying up late? This crap kills me. <laughs> well, I'm on the West Coast, so it's not too late for me. It's nine thirty where you are, Hassan. You're having a great time. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I should go yeah. to sleep. You guys have some some energy. I, I could not do that. Well, I mean, the, it's the rage that fuels me, and then that I got to run a website, and so if I don't, uh, you know, I, I we just finished the podcast, and and my guy Josh got me going on the other end where I was like yelling about something. I don't even remember what I was yelling about, and so it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna come come do the uh, do the the hangout here. Uh, I don't think I'll put this one up on our podcast feed, even though these are all been really good questions. Um, does anybody else want to to get anything else in before I hop on out of here? I try to keep these, you know, half hour to 45 minutes just because uh, I could ramble at length about the Mavericks. Hey, Kirk, I think there was a, I think it was with the Locked On guys. They, they were, had the Locked On Thunder um, podcast on too. They were suggesting a trade of, it's like very minimal one, um, Dwight Powell. For George Hill and then a secondary player, uh, and we sec- send a second round or two because the Thunder apparently really close and having tr- or might have trouble hitting the minimum when it comes to mm. spending next year. So we're uh, trying to see what you think about that. Ooh, that's fantastic. I mean, I I have kind of considered you know Dwight Powell across the bear um, as fan base because the Mavericks overpaid him. He should have been making about eight million a year, and instead he made I think he's making ten to eleven. Uh, and even eight million is probably too much for the guy, and then he got hurt, and so it's just it's it's one of these things where I've I've assumed he's going to be a Maverick until he retires in like twenty twenty eight. Like he's just kind of you know he's like Berea. He comes with the uh, you know he comes with the hardwood. Um, but that would really be interesting if they're if they're trying to get up there because you're right they have to do it ten million eleven million however much he makes next year is significant and George Hill is a is a good player. Um, I'm not sure how much he's that interested in basketball anymore. Uh, if, if you've, he had a really frustrated, like he was very frustrated being up uh, uh, in the bubble with everything that was going on. And with some of the things that were happening up in Wisconsin too. And I, you know, playing on a team like them, I don't think he's gotten a lot of burn and, and they've been surprisingly good. I'd be interested to, to see if he really does want to, you know, continue to, to play basketball. I bet he, I mean, he's a professional. He does. He probably does on some level, but you know, you play the game for so long. It's probably, it starts to, to, to wear you out. I, I wouldn't hate it. Uh, it, it clears some space for Dallas, but again, you know, as we all, the Mavs fans who are part of this chat know that the cap space is, is the, the Mavericks, you know, the, the, they need to have a, a Jersey hung for cap space. Um, Zach in the chat asks, uh, would you be willing to part with future assets for John Collins? I mean, I would, but I don't know what they can give because I feel like a 2025 or 2027 is probably not enough for the Hawks because their GM is looking at the, you know, he he's at the, the, the business end of a firing stick to, to a degree where if they don't do something and if they don't get like an asset for him, I wouldn't be surprised if he got fired in season. Their ownership is pissy. Um, uh, Jafar asks in the chat, uh, what is the Mavs salary cap going into the offseason? They have in the neighborhood, depending on who opts in and who opts out. So you got Tim Hardaway coming off the books. You have Josh Richardson, who has a player option for like $12 million. Um, let's see. Then they have 
it's in the neighborhood of 30 to 50 million if depending on what goes on it's a remarkable amount of money because they really expected Giannis to kind of be available like that that's going to get buried the further we get away from it mm. but oh yeah James Johnson 16 million coming off the books thank you Doug there's there's a lot of 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 potential uh with their cap space which is sort of why I can see the argument of like trading in a a grumpy player um Jafar what's up Hey, thank you for having me on. Sure thing. Uh, I just wanted to ask a question because I know that when you have the Mavs, you have such an enticing guy in Luka Doncic. I think what and what would be a great idea for them is that going into the offseason, not getting any trades, but um, I mean, well, I would like to see them go maybe for an Andre Drummond and try to entice him to stay by getting rid of Porzingis and trying to go into the Victor Oladipo sweepstakes. What would you think about those type of moves? It's... It's very tough because the Mavericks started last year 16-6. and six. Mm-hmm. And I know from – and I don't do any reporting, and I don't want to say anything that will like actually get me in trouble, but the Mavericks thought they had really struck gold. They thought they were like three years ahead of the curve with some of the space that they're playing with. Mm-hmm. And then since they've kind of played 500 ball, and if you were to get – they would really, they would, I'm, I'm glad you at least noticed that that if they were to get a different center, they would have to send off Porzingis because Porzingis cannot guard fours. That man cannot mm. move laterally. He is I, a a cactus. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the biggest concern also with Porzingis is that, I mean, offensively, he is one of the top bigs in the NBA, but the concern is his health because he's a yeah. team for a guy being, I think, 7'3", um, to me, and I see some of the guys in the chat saying, you know, not nah, to have Drummond. I'd rather, I mean, the best um, the best skill is availability. And Porzingis, when he's there, he has been great, but the question is when he is there, you know? Yeah, and and I, I, I at least think they, they have to consider it uh, in, in terms of, of moving KP eventually. I really do think that's, that's a thing they consider. It's, you know, Chuck Cooperstein, who is the Mavs voice of the radio guy, uh, the radio guy on, on ESPN got really pissed where he was, this is stupid that we even had this discussion about moving KP. It's like, no, it's not. Everybody yeah. but, but Luca is, is tradable. And, and I think <laughs> yeah. that like, this is the nature, like Luca is an MVP candidate. Porzingis is not. And, and that's yeah. kind of the chasm of talent. And so, I, I don't think so. So if you if you the the advanced data with Drummond is that he is a ungodly rebounder, but in no small part because the man just can't hit shots in the restricted area. He is horrendous at the rim. It's kind of shocking. And I know the argument is okay. You know he plays Luca. He's never played as a good point guard. I think there's something to that. I I also think that they might be able to get him for a free agent this off season for like eight million, twelve million a year. Like that that something is, it just exists um the old depot thing is is a little harder because it, he has been unbelievably bad since being in houston and he was doing pretty good in, in indiana after that that quad injury i mean his quad injury was gross i'm pretty sure his quad separated from his like bone like it was it was awkward and painful and one of those that sort of freaks me out um mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I mean, the bottom line with the sort of discussion that you're asking is the Mavericks have to think about something to upgrade their talent. And mm-hmm. they have two guys at the top who are really good. But Porzingis does this if you look at his kind of year in, year out. He looks good for four to six weeks out of every year, and then he gets hurt. Yeah. That scares the hell out of me. Because if he gets hurt again, it's no longer a theory. He's, they're saddled with $90 million of Porzingis for the rest of, his, for the, rest of the contract. 
Yeah, and and it'll be so hard to to trade him. I, that's why I think that there's a lot of value in putting him up right now because he has been able to be healthy for the last couple of weeks. Um, and then so you just want to haul him. But if uh, one one thing that just kind of my mind real quick, if it's okay if I ask to kind of follow this up, sure. Is that, you know, because they're gonna have to extend Luca, and everybody knows Mark Cuban's gonna give him the Brinks truck, obviously. Yes. Um, to be able to. Keep- so, do you think Luca would be inclined to decline the supermax like Kawhi did to be able to go and get traded if if this continues? As it's scary really, as it would be, it's a really fun question. And at Mavs Moneyball, we have a guy in our Slack. His name's Iztok. He's Slovenian, and granted, he doesn't speak for his entire country. But we we're actually just talking about this today. Oh, cool. And, and and what he said was that Luca is an unbelievably loyal guy. He's been with his yeah. girlfriend since he was 13. He he was with Real Madrid from around the same time. It's just kind of who he is as a person to be loyal. Mm-hmm. But he's also won from an early age and won big. Yeah. And this has probably got to be annoying. I don't think he turned down two hundred million. Well, it's going to be thirty percent of the cap. I don't know how much the cap will be. Nobody's done it before, but you know, if there's somebody to do it, it could be him. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the Mavericks are not. He would have to. He would have to be giving like like he'd eventually be able to make some of that money back. But but even at the length of his career, it just you know the the last guy to really turn down a big extension like that was like who like Nerlens Noel like there's it, it just doesn't happen that often in the NBA. So that that's kind of the the extent of of what I'm thinking at the moment. Does that make sense? No, no, that makes perfect sense. And um, yeah, no, I actually I, I really appreciate you answering that question. Sure. Let's see if anybody else has anything because my voice is starting to go. And I, uh, hey, I, I got something. Um, oh yeah, so sure. Kind, kind of bringing it back to the how pretty much we can't keep KP at the four, um, but at the same time, I know most of the Mavs Twitter loves Rashawn Holmes. How would that work out then? Because I think you could basically outprice him for the Kings. I know the Kings love him. But I'm, I would almost guarantee that they would have to move someone in order to pay him what he'll get paid this offseason, because I don't think they have that much cap space left. Especially because I think um, what's his name, uh, Fox's deal kicks in next year too. So how would that work out with uh, Holmes and KP? It's a good question. I believe that Holmes can guard force. That's kind of the overarching question of can you guard in space? And the mm-hmm. Mavericks need and grant guarding in space in the modern NBA is like unfair mm-hmm. because you know with the exception of tonight's game, they tend to call fouls uh, on the perimeter. And oh, good, I've been talking for so long that damn that the damn game has started up again on League Pass. That's 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 just how this. And I, don't, I don't and I just saw Kawhi's early dunk. Um, that that would kind of have to be the thing that they end up. You know, uh, looking at is is whoever is like a bigger guy that can get some rebounds, play some defense, and then guard in space. That would that would have to be the the answer to that question. I my challenge and my thought for years has always been that Porzingis and or not Porzingis, Rick Carlisle succeeds with tools with players who are good in a variety of situations. I had a really fun time falling into the memory hole. Of the twenty, and by fun I mean like I was just like getting mad 
the 2012-2013 Mavs season. Now, if you go to Basketball Reference and look up this team, they went 41-41. and Dirk missed a huge chunk of the season. It was the Darren Collison, Derek Fisher, Mike James uh, season where there's like 22 guys that were on the roster. Like Eddie Curry started opening night. And the and Rick Carlo got that team to five hundred. They didn't make the playoffs, but it was it was incredible. And so I've always kind of wondered what happens if you give him enough guys that don't suck. And that's what makes this this roster construction for the past two years very so so frustrating because they have talented offensive guys, but at the end of it, Rick's not gonna play guys who, you know, at least Dorian like plays real hard and does like he makes the right call on defense. He's just not good enough. So what happens if you continue to, like, surround Carlisle with guys that work? Well, you know, the big picture answer is he wins the championship like they did in 2010, 2011, because they have a transcendent player. Um, so so they, they just need to continue to, like, stock up their roster talent. And what's been so damn frustrating for the past, you know, going back to, to before, like, the summer right as Harrison Barnes signed, is this constant lecture from the Mavericks of, oh, we know what we're doing. Oh, we have the right guys. Well, it's you know, clearly you don't. <laughs> Lucking into Luca gets you only so far. Exactly so. that that same mindset. I guess you could kind of put across to the Cowboys too, where you they blatantly look at you and tell you to, I guess, trust us for for instance, and then it's the same thing over and over again, where they believe in their own guys a lot more than pretty much anybody else in the league does. Um, yeah, it's crazy frustrating. But one more thing. Um, I think the report was for Collins, he's looking for about $25 million a year. So I'm guessing that's about the same as the, what's it called, um, as Brown's contract for the Celtics. How would you feel about that? I think it was like a four for 105, give or take. I mean, this kind of, like, like this is where I'm I'm a little bit bad with both the salary cap type stuff because do you want to invest 55 million in Porzingis and Collins is sort of the question. And I can see the answers for it. You know, in our Slack right now, people are talking about this because Matt Moore of the action network uh, actually reported that the Mavs are hot to trot. And, and I know Matt, like Matt is, has, has been a friend for, for like 10 years and, he doesn't really do a lot of reporting, so he the fact that he's doing it means he's really heard it. But I, I just, one, I don't see how they get there. And then two, you watch a game like tonight against the Clippers, and does John Collins help? Like, who does he help? Like, what does he do? Like, they effectively shut all rim-related stuff down. I think there's some argument about, ah, uh, you know, another stretch guy, because, like, Maxi Maxie absolutely wilted in the heat, and that's a little frustrating, but... I'm not sure where he turns a corner against elite elite teams because Collins has become a better defender, which is something that I was pretty surprised by, to be honest with you. But I, I just I don't know where, I don't know where he goes. It's 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 a lot. I mean, I don't know. I'll watch this team regardless because like Luca and John Collins, like that sounds awesome on offense. But I, I just. It just, I just, it's a bit of an investment. I don't know. Maybe the Mavericks move on from Porzingis in a different way. It's kind of it's kind of what we talked about what we talked about a second ago with uh, with with Jafar up here on stage. So I don't know. Yeah. That's my thought. Yeah, I guess at this point, I'm just at the uh, with all the fatigue of past off seasons. Just get some talent in the door would be yeah. nice. I guess. Figure it out later, and I, and I think that's got to be on there on their on menu. There. 
So, well, guys, this has been fun. It's always a lot more fun than I expected to be. Like, I hop on here, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to talk for a few minutes, and nobody will join. And then we get, you know, 20, 25 people in here cycling in asking good questions. This is a great time. Um, I think that should be it. Uh, and, and I love, I need, I do need it to be trade deadline just so we can kind of stop talking about Drummond because I don't think he becomes a Mavs this season. So (laughs) be sure not to eat, be sure not to kill each other fighting over that because I really like the Mavericks from what I've been told really aren't interested at least right now. All right, guys, this has been Kirk Anderson. We've had fun here. Uh, I'm going to be doing another one of these Friday during lunchtime because who wants to work? Uh, so at least, you know, plan on that and we will come back in a couple of days. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.